KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. We are still taking stock of the fallout from the violence at the U.S. Capitol last week. One ripple effect has been that many corporations have announced they are now suspending financial donations to politicians that objected to the counting of the Electoral College votes that day. Now, that seems like a big deal on the surface, but is it? To find out, we reached out to Robin Kolodny. She is a professor and chair of the Department of Political Science at Temple University. Check it out. So let's kind of start with this moment after the events of Wednesday at the Capitol uh, we have had several businesses come out and at different levels talk about who they won't be donating to some people it seems have come out and said a pox on everybody we're going to stop Uh, some people have talked about not voting or not sending money to Republicans some people have been more targeted specifically people that voted to overturn the election as someone who follows this, who studied this, how big is this moment we're kind of uh, ingesting right now? Well, I don't think it's as big or as significant as some people are saying right now for a couple of fundamental reasons. So first, the major source of campaign contributions for all members of Congress and candidates for the Senate is individual contributions. It is not PAC contributions. Um, The House members are more dependent, but still not that much, maybe 20, 25 percent. So saying that we're not going to give you political action committee donations, which, by the way, are capped now at five thousand dollars per election, whereas individual contributions, um, they're less. Uh, It it was twenty eight hundred in the last election, but they are inflation indexed. So at some point, individuals will be more important than political action committees. That's for the the money that the candidates themselves control. So that's what the businesses seem to be announcing, but their power, potential power to scare them is uh, in independent expenditures and the 501c4s, all these electioneering communications that they spend without coordinating with the candidates. And they certainly didn't say that they weren't going to do that. There's other reasons why this is an empty threat, except there are some cases where it won't be. So the the most important thing is the Democrats now control all three branches of government. So frankly, what do you need a bunch of minority members for? They're not going to be committee chairs or subcommittee chairs. They're not going to control the flow of legislative business in either chamber. So it's almost like a free, you know, issue for them that they they're they're like uh, we don't want uh, to support the people who voted this way not that we needed them anyway which is really where we are if um what people didn't notice on the beginning of wednesday january 6th when it was clear that the democrats had picked up both of the senate seats in georgia the dow jones industrial average trade at its highest point ever so that's how so upset business was. Are you kidding? They were thrilled because now they knew that some of the Biden agenda will come through. It will get hung up for years. It will, you know, some some version of what um, they want will come through. The other kinds of things that they're not talking about, lobbying, almost every single one of these business concerns, if you look at just what they spend 
a campaign finance. You go to something like Open Secrets, you'll be like, wow, look at that. They did $25 million. But if you go to the House or the Senate where they where the lobbyists need to report what their activity, how much they're getting paid and for which companies, all of those businesses that you've heard about easily spend five or six times that amount on lobbying. So let me be stark about it. I spend $125 million on lobbying and $25 million on the elections, which do I think is obviously more effective, right? Because it's not, it's one thing to replace the players, but you know, the game is the game. And so if, if all you have are the players that are on the field, then you figure out which ones are the most vulnerable or most interested. But the thing about the vulnerability is that what hasn't changed and what business's biggest power is, is um, their structural economic power. That doesn't change. If uh, Comcast, where we are, if this is one of the largest private employers in the area, they still are going to get an audience with whatever member they want, whether they gave to them or not. Because who wants the headline to read, you know, Congressman X told, you know, let Comcast leave Philadelphia. That's, that's the end of their career. So all of these things together are what make this not as dramatic as some might think. I can tell you the exception though. And that is that these companies, if they want to work together uh, in, in their targeting of candidates, they could do what the US Chamber of Commerce has done starting in 2012, but definitely 2014, 2016, which is the US Chamber, because it's not a political party, can back an alternate candidate and primary them. That is what the Chamber of Commerce got upset about. So there was actually a vote just like this one that that was the trigger for them. And that was the vote against raising the debt ceiling. Because anybody who knows anything about how economies work knows that that's a disastrous thing to play with. You know, if we're in default and then nobody can um, can lend. And so the, the chamber made their, their list of members who had voted against raising the debt ceiling. And then they went through strategically. It's like, all right, we're never gonna get X out, but here are 10 that we could. So let's go ahead and help recruit maybe the head of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce in their district. So that's where the issue could be, not the businesses said we're done with the Republican Party, but we're done with this wing of the party, which they've had ever since the Tea Party movement emerged. There's nothing in the rhetoric of, um, you know, the free market, absolute free marketness, which works for um, corporate America. And that's how... Officials like Mitt Romney understand that. And by the way, Joe Biden, don't think that business thinks they're going to get a bad deal under Joe Biden. That, that's, that's not at all clear. We had the violence at the Capitol, and then you still had all these politicians vote that they didn't think the election should be, you know, should be certified and all that. Will we hit a point where, from a, a donation, from a financial standpoint, people will really in tangible ways, start to put the screws to politicians that are trying to unravel 250 years worth of what we've been? Well, again, what I would say is that's not quite the way to think about it. Because first of all, you're making an assumption, and a lot of people do, 
that every dollar that candidates collect, they must have to spend on their campaigns. And often candidates want to amass a war chest to scare other people off, or sometimes they're being very proactive in their campaigning because they desire to run for a different office eventually. In 2018, let me tell you some senators who were up for re-election in 2018, all right? Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Chris Gillibrand, Amy Klobuchar, all of them raised by accident too much money in 2018, and they're able to transfer that. Sanders was the winner, by the way, $12.5 million is what he started with because it was left over from his 2018 campaign for federal office. So now he was running for president. So sometimes you just, it has nothing to do, crush his opponent, right? It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with other things and he's got willing donors. So what I say is that what people should think about is not just, what we don't want is for them to withdraw from the political process. If they say they want to sit on their checkbooks, fine. But the option is to do what I'm saying here. Why don't you find a primary challenger if, that, if it looks like that district's going to be 70% Republican anyway, then the key is backing it out to the primary and figuring out who, you know, who would make a credible alternative. And then you can beat them at their own game if you wish, because the other real fact about campaign money right now is that the most effective means are cheap. Who watches uh, television in real time anymore? not people under 30. So tweeting, texting, text banking, by the way, is much better than doing something on the phone. It's one reason why the polls have been off is because they're all phone-based and nobody answers the phone anymore. So the reality is that what we saw with the big turnout in this election is you can actually get people uh, informed and interested in understanding that there's something on the line. And maybe it is time to stop worrying about uh, the the cash that people are getting, except, you know, they can do the $25 donations are actually great because they do keep um, the ability to to communicate electronically, update websites, things like that going. How concerned are you about our political moment overall right now? I'm not as concerned as people think that we should be because I think this is a blip. What I think, it, the blip being the violence part, We may get a little more in the next few weeks, but I don't think we'll be talking about that by the middle of February. It is not surprising to me that this happened in retrospect. Like I wouldn't have anticipated that the Capitol Police wouldn't be able to keep people out of the Capitol, but um, that they would try doesn't surprise me because I have seen that the split in the Republican Party has been coming for a while. It's It's a huge problem for the Republican Party. And just for the reasons that we're having this conversation is because mostly the Republican Party of the past had been a Wall Street party. But the Tea Party people are this Main Street party that have literally no understanding of how the economy really works and the government's role in it. Like you can't convince a person who's a self-employed, you know, car detailer or something that you do actually need the Federal Reserve Board to help regulate interest rates and that you need healthy banks and you need oversight of these banks so that you don't get the global financial. None of that they can hear because in their world, they make their own success. And that's um, 
that doesn't seem to actually work long term. Like that, there, there aren't enough other people in gig work that could make the economy go. You've got to have um, the bigger players. And so that's where the fissure has been since these groups formed in response to Obamacare in 2009. Oh, and by the way, for many years, the business roundtable has not been against a single payer healthcare system. They've done the math for many years and it's significantly cheaper for them if we, if we do it that way. Now, Blue Cross Blue Shield, Aetna, you know, they don't agree. That's how this Obamacare got to be a, you know, people don't um, understand it this way, but it is a corporate welfare bill because those giants said what's going to happen to us. And so that's how it got um, put together that way. But in terms of a dollars and cents and efficiency standpoint, think of how many HR people you have just to worry about the insurance stuff in a, a big company. It's crazy. So I say that, you know, if you wanted to be really crazy, what you do is you nationalize Blue Cross Blue Shield. You just say the government's taking you over and now you're all federal employees. They'd be much better off than that you have that infrastructure, right? I mentioned at the top that there were there seemed to be tiers of, of how corporations were approaching this. Some specifically uh, said uh, Congress people and senators that voted against certifying the, the election. Then there was another level of the corporations that specifically went all Republican. And then there seemed to be some that said, we're not going to be giving any political donations to both sides uh, for the time being, regardless well, of that- how toothless that is. What 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 message does that send that we're not a pox on both your houses in this specific moment? Well, that's interesting. I think you're going to have to look at the kinds of businesses that we're talking about, the sectors. So uh, since Twitter uh, and Facebook both banned Trump, you can you'll probably see that both uh, that whole communications and tech sector is probably most likely to be out front and center saying, oh, we're not engaging in this because they somehow think they're untouchable. Uh, Trump was really somebody they had to fear more in terms of regulation. Will there be other kinds of regulation? Yeah, but nothing I don't think different than what they had before. I think what I'd say to you is that you should think about, and this is a a problem because it's so easy to say business thinks, or business is very multifaceted. So let's think about who hasn't announced that they're taking this strategy. If I were going into the Biden administration, if I had any industry, any part of the market at all that dealt with something that might have to do with climate change, I would be scared to death and I wouldn't be making this announcement. So you haven't heard ExxonMobil or BP um, or, you know, the, the, any of these uh, the other ones that are smaller, but like um, the, the seed and fertilizer companies, all of these things that are going to be on a target because they pollute something in some way uh, are, are going to, they're going to, they're not going to do as well in these next couple of years, whether they like it or not. So for them to come out and say, oh, we're not, we don't want to invest in the people we hope will win in 2022 20, um, and take, you know, and fix the stuff that we think is going to go south for us. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense for them. Plus a lot of those, especially companies uh, like the oil companies that are have so much uh, presence in Texas, Louisiana, and Alaska. That's pretty much been their strategy anyway. Yes, do they donate more widely? Of course, but mostly 
they flood the local people because that's who's going to go ahead and fight for them when their constituents are threatened with job losses. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen and subscribe to the podcast on the radio.com app or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon. 